Welcome back to our third segment. We're going to try to uh, dive a little more into the love element of this podcast. I know uh, you, Mark, are the captain, the big, the big hoo of loves. That is, that is true. The love doctor, you <laughs> know, love. that whole when, love is let no man yeah. put asunder. I'm, I'm the asunderer. So uh, that's that's me. That's a, what I do. A guy wearing this shirt is knows what love's all about. You know, that's, that's, that's what true. I, that's what I say. That's so. true. Well, hey, I wanted to dive into uh, some recent uh, rumblings about how uh, college athletes are being paid under the NIL rule. Yes, and I think that's really fascinating for a number of reasons. But uh, let's start with what happened at the University of Texas recently. Yeah. So uh, as probably some of y'all know, I am you know about as diehard of a UT fan as you can uh, as you A&M. can get. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I just felt like I went over an IQ speed bump there. Um, so UT has gotten, they have taken, uh, really taken charge of the NIL deal. And they've got a couple different groups that have really gotten out in front. They've got one, I love this, it's called the Pancake Factory. Is this so? And for those of y'all that don't understand what I'm talking about, NIL is name, image, and likeness. So this was the thing that there were years and years of lawsuits over why the hell do they have, you know, uh, why, why can't we pay college athletes for using their likeness? Exactly. So like where you've got uh, Madden football, you know, you've got NCAA football, basketball, et cetera, et cetera. And they're using Jersey the name, sales, image, and likeness yeah. of all of these top athletes. But the whole the idea originally was that, um, you know, you were getting paid because of your free education. And so a lot of them said, yeah, well, that's great. But you're still using my name, image, and likeness. So this is bullshit. I'm not getting paid. That's terrible. And, it, and particularly if you're being prohibited from entering into the professional leagues, uh, in some cases, in some sports, by not going to college, you're basically right. forced into this indentured servitude. Right. And people didn't like that. So I, I, I intend to agree with it. So one of the things, and I love this, with uh, University of Texas came out with one that is called the Pancake Factory. And this is where it gets a little interesting because – NIL is not just like you work out a deal with Park Place Lexus, you know, and they get to use your name, image, and likeness. You get a car to drive or whatever. Now they've got in in the NIL world, they have those deals. But they also have deals where you've got big groups of boosters that have created a fund to pay people to be able to use them in a – so this is a charitable deal. So this Pancake Factory pays every um, every scholarship offensive lineman – 50,000 bucks a year to appear at various charitable organizations or charitable uh, events going on, which I think is a, is a fantastic opportunity as long as it is done well. And it's not just Jimmy Joe Bob going down and getting his check this week. Right. Um, But here's where it also got very interesting. So Quinn Ewers, who's a big time quarterback who should be a senior leading South Lake Carroll, uh, this weekend in the 6A uh, championship game, changed his uh, changed his classification and graduated a year early and went off to Ohio State. And part of the uh, my understanding, a part of what was behind that, is he got an NIL deal that was worth just shy of 1.5 million dollars wow. with going up to Ohio State. So, like, what kind of better lesson as a kid could you learn? Then real dollars and cents, and his dad's a businessman and said basically just that, you know, that, hell, he, he learned a whole lot more than you're going to find out in a freshman econ class, you know. But there are all these things going on there. So where it touches my world is if you've got a child that is some phenom and where you could really see this, I think, even more than in football is basketball. Mm. Um, because you've got, you know, big-time leagues in Europe, in China, uh, other places in Asia, 
where the, yeah, where these kids are getting paid a shit ton. So it's not like your only opportunity is to go to the G League or D League, whatever it is this week. Um, but what do you do about that if you've got a 16 or 17 year old who you know comes out early? Let's say that they've quit high school early, and you know what do you what as a parent and being able to control their their funds? What do you do? Well, I'll ask your legal opinion here in a minute, yeah. but I think from the financial perspective, it's uh, take it, it it's, take it. It's, it's just really big for me to think that it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing because if you look at the rise in wage inflation compared to the inflation of education costs, particularly at the college level, yeah, it's a really losing proposition, particularly for Gen Z and a lot of millennials to ever go to college. Right. You know, we are sitting in a position where we're uh, exiting college, getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, and we have $250,000 in debt. Right. And that's, uh, if you can figure out a way to mitigate that and make money at starting at 16 years old, it presents a lot less challenges than it does opportunity, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I think there's, you know, I've always thought that it was about time. It didn't make sense to me that the Heisman Trophy winner you know, doesn't get paid for being on, you know, whatever the big football game Well, these is. guys might get injured, you know, right. in, in, in their senior year game. They never get to cash in the pros and – for a lot of these guys, I mean, I, I know a few of them. They're they're not the sharpest tacks in the box. I mean, some of them are very intelligent, but there's some guys that were like ball is life. Yeah. And uh, if that ever gets taken away from an early injury, they might have a real struggle. Well, it's, and if you think about it, I mean, so what what you used to hear about with athletes like that is if they could cobble together the money, they would get a Lloyd's policy. So Lloyd's is an insurance company or really kind of conglomerate over in. The UK that it is different than you would think of as that's right. It's different than what you would think of as an insurance company here because it's actually got different investors into the policy, right? So I mean, so it's really kind of interesting. It it wouldn't pass muster over here. It's really fascinating. I never thought about that way, but I think that the kind of one of the bigger implications of what we brought up in the legal aspect of this is hey. You know, if you have a 16 year old who's starting to really print money, right? And mom and dad get into an argument, right? And my understanding is legally that you're entitled to the income of your child if they're not emancipated. That is right. So, how does that affect dynamics of, of what kind of what kind of legal implications do you think are out there? For oh shit, there are a lot. I mean, all you have to do go on uh, go on Netflix and watch Free Britney. Oh. You know, I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of ridiculous, yeah, yeah. but it's the same type of deal, man. Sure. It's the same type of deal. I, if if I was some sixteen wonder kid, you know, who <laughs> was going to really be able to tear the shit up, and someone was taking my money, dude, I would be pissed. Oh yeah. So I would be trying to do whatever I could to get emancipated. So typically, one of uh, one of the things that you would see in a divorce decree is is the right of a parent or parents to direct or control the monies of their minor children. Okay. So what happens in that situation now? I don't know. I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting what it will, in my opinion, what it will breed is a whole new line of case law that hasn't even really been thought about yet. Yeah. Cause going back to your original point about the, the quarterback who was it the quarterback or quarterback. It? Yeah. So he, he committed, he changed his commitment. So at the time he would have been 17. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he so, committed and went to Ohio State, played this year, didn't play that much, but was on the team this year. And then he just transferred at the end of the football season and just signed a new national letter of intent to go to the University of Texas starting in the spring semester 
in January. Oh, well. So I'm not sure he's 18 now. I, I don't know if yeah, he is now I, or I, not. I don't know. And I think this is going to be further. It'll be interesting to see it from a society perspective. If we really evaluate what adulthood looks like. Because right. Because I think that kids are growing up a lot faster than they used to with the emergence of technology. And Agree. It's one of those things where, you know, as a parent, you hand your kid an iPad when they're four or five years old. Like, how does that affect development? You know, what does it look like in terms of information exposure? And one could argue that a lot of 16-year-olds, you know, with the ability to make money that they do, you know, um, our producer, Mira, she probably had an interesting point. Her child has been successfully uh, using a, diff- a variety of different crypto mining efforts and has been making pretty good money. And he, he he's nine yeah. So it, that's truly a, uh, a fascinating thing to I'm think I'm thinking about. about staking him. Yeah. You, should, you should. I might stake him, yeah. get him to make some money yeah, on that my That would behalf. be a good idea. You know? yeah. Uncle Mark's coming in. For that's the right. Assist, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's a great question. So what if, what if Mira and her husband got divorced? So that's a really interesting question. What, what happens there? So typically, you know, any asset or debt that is acquired during the pendency of the marriage is considered community in the state of Texas. So where does this get more interesting? Well, Jackson, her son, is not her husband's son. Okay. It's from a previous relationship. So sure. because of that, does that affect things? I don't know. I mean, because this actually comes in as income. Mm. So it's all very interesting. There, there are going to be a lot of things that are changing with all this. So like one of the things you were talking about, what is the definition of an adult? You know, I could also make the argument that somebody who's 16 that makes a lot of money off of their YouTubing and stuff, that they are socially inept and have an ability looking someone in the eye and actually holding a conversation. So is part of becoming an adult part of what we always thought it was with, you know, growing socially and you know, becoming a more well-rounded human being? Is that a piece of it? Or is that something that is just taken away? Because what has never made sense to me is that you have to be 21. It was 19 in my day. But you have to be 21 to have a drink, but you can go fight in wars. Yeah. Well, that shit doesn't make any quinti- sense. That's the quintessential logic frame, right? Yeah. So, so maybe maybe this is examining case law from creating some sort of like, I know, I know there's something that goes on in Hollywood where, child actors have a bit of protection for their or their earnings, I think. Right. But perhaps you can create some sort of conservatorship that's uh, federally sponsored or government sponsored that says like, hey, these assets can only, only a percentage can be used uh, without, I guess, child consent uh, toward the household. I mean, that was right. a ginormous can of worms because you then would have to evaluate the, the, uh, the adultness of a child, right. maybe, I mean, I can go to a rabbit hole here. So there are, there are a whole lot of things that can be done right now. So the, the things that are used the most are trust. Okay, so typically trusts are set up for, for the children, and one of the most common kinds of a trust is what's called a hen's trust, health education, uh, maintenance, maintenance, and yeah. what's the other one? Health education, maintenance, maintenance. and support. Um, and so those are pretty commonplace, and you've got somebody that sits as a trustee and basically doles the money out as – they see fit if it meets within these certain confines. Okay. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that can be done uh, pretty easily. And I think if you had somebody that was a big time child star, uh, Bieber, when he first, you know, what did he start when he was 13 or something? Usher, uh, mm-hmm. you know, discovered him. Uh, I'm sure that there are different things like that that were put in place, although he's a Canuckian. So who knows what the hell the laws are in Canada. Um but anyway, there's different stuff that can be utilized. I just think there's going to be a trickle down with some of this because you're seeing some, you know, gamers, these kids that are making a shit ton of money on Twitch, oh, yeah. you know, or on different things. You're going to see some of this is going to come into play and not everybody 
is going to have a set of scrupulous parents. I think, you know, I was joking around with the whole free Britney thing, but I mean, God, they were living off the tit for 12 years oh, sure. and trying to get back in and look at that. I mean, just, it's sickening. Well, I think this it's kind sickening. of goes back to the idea that we talked about in our last Vegas segment that, that cryptocurrency is a way for people to shelter assets. Right. And my guess is that probably some of these kids are taking deals and trying to buy crypto and saying, hey, this is a uh, good, good luck finding this parents. Like I, I know a lot of, uh, you know, very eager uh, older generational folk have been sitting to me and said, hey, how do I get access to cryptocurrency? I'm like, where do you want to begin? Well, you see, there have been a number of football players, you know, that decided that they were going to take X portion in, uh, in Bitcoin. And then, you know, the most recent uh, um, mayor of New York, what's his name, Eric Johnson? Is that, yeah. is that right? Not Como anymore. Uh, no. Uh, no, well, Como was the uh, uh, governor. Yeah, well. Uh, who, bye-bye. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, Cuomo. Uh, but this guy, he was taking, I think, his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. Cool. Which I found rather interesting because that's the first thing I've I, first I've heard of a uh, you know a public servant getting paid paid in Bitcoin. It's possible. I'm sure there's and gosh, the government has to find so many ways where like there's the unclaimed crypto assets has got to be a huge market for them too. So yeah, probably sitting on crypto and that's got to be interesting. So yeah, so this just kind of opens up a whole can of worms. There are a bunch of different things. The point is to to have people look at it and get get educated on some of these because. We see it, you know, we're starting to see a lot of the stuff with, with crypto. I personally haven't had uh, anything with NFTs involved, but you're seeing more and more of these investments that are um, outside of the norm, so to sure. speak. You know, whether it's somebody's got, you know, a big uh, watch collection or whether somebody's, you know, heavily into Solana or any other crypto that's out there. It's, it's all very interesting on how things are changing. It is. And we're going to continue to see these non-traditional asset classes emerge because of the bloat that happens at the capital market level, I think. And as, uh, as we become more and more uh, decentralized, because I think people are concerned about the efficacy of the U.S. dollar and just overall currency, too. That's why this has become so popular, right. I think. So I, it's healthy competition. I support it. And uh, we'll see how it continues to run here. But uh, all, all things considered... We'll see where we are in three months. We'll yeah, this up again. That, exactly. Let, let me uh, let's go to one other thing I want to talk about, because one of the big areas that has been really uh, has been really booming is uh, divorce over 50 or silver divorces. Yes, the silver divorces. Yes, the silver divorces. Um, <laughs> so which I know I don't look old enough to be part of that class, but I actually am. Because you're in your golden years. Right that's now, that's right? true. That's right. I'm only getting older and better looking. So um, so. What I wanted to talk about is I, I read this very interesting article that was talking about divorce over 50, and they were talking about, you know, different mistakes to avoid, et cetera, et cetera. But there are a couple of things that they mentioned that I think you probably see as much as I do. But one of the reasons that uh, they think that there has been this increase in silver divorce is there's less of a, quote unquote, there's less of a financial imperative to stay together. So that kind of goes to the whole thing of, you know, uh, Ozzie and Harriet, I know way before your time, way before my time too, but I heard about it. Uh, anyway, but the, the, uh, you know, the tradi traditional marriage man goes off to work sure. and mom stays home and takes care Joint of the bank account. You know, everything's right. under one roof. There's very little knowledge from the at home spouse about the finances are run. Uh, yeah, that, that concept is crumbling as uh, very, very easily over the generations. I, I, looking even at my own marriage, 
we are uh, financially independent, essentially, of one another, even though I pay for 95% of what we do. Love you, baby. But we know that's the truth. <laughs> um, you know, she she gets to, she gets to allocate her funds the way she sees fit, and I take care of everything else, which is which is fine. I mean, that's, I'm actually so. Happy what's to do mine that. is mine, and what's yours is mine. Correct, exactly. I but, got you know, that. That's, that's that's okay though, because I love her, and that's what love costs. There so. you go. <laughs> no, but regardless, which I, reminds me, you know why they say uh, why divorce is so expensive? Hmm. Because it's worth it. <laughs> Just saying. This, this is the tagline, folks, of why you should choose the Scroggins Law Group. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I, I think going back to in all seriousness, it's one of those concepts where I am uh, I'm of the belief that we're going to see a lot easier ways to innovate, make money. You know, you've got people that can start a, a lucrative YouTube channel. You know, the, the Instagram influencer was probably is probably very popular amongst the uh, some of the individuals who decided to go for what you might colloquially call the MRS degree. So. You know, you can right. just go out there and, and look pretty and take pictures and then start to get brand deals. Right. And so Twitch is another element where you can be an, a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom and become a streamer and make a lot of money. And so when you're thinking about, hey, it's very easy to become financially separate and people can be more ingenuitive now, then, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I find that very interesting. Um because I, I find that to be absolutely true. I mean, it is uh, it is commonplace for me now to uh, be representing one party or the other in a divorce, you know, and the incomes are not, there's not some great disparity sure. between them. And, uh, you know, both of them are well into six figures and, and doing doing well. Now, I am also amazed sometimes where you still see, I represent a lot of women in, in my practice and where they have... Um, been a part of, you know, traditional gender roles, uh, and have come to me and don't know a damn thing about, uh, you know, about their, their sure. husband's income or where their money is or what they, what they have. Well, that's terrifying too, because if you have someone who is, I, I, I weirdly think about if I were to just pass away tomorrow, you know, how long would it take my loved ones to figure out all the different subscriptions that I subscribe to. And like, obviously things like credit cards go away and those we get canceled. But, you know, we're in a time and base where you don't just have money in the bank and in the stock market with your broker. That, that, that's long gone. You know, I, I think that if I look at just my footprint, I'm, a, by, I'm by no means like ultra wealthy. You know, I probably have like, you know, 15 to 20 different asset classes of things. And so understanding what those are, that kind of goes back to the planning piece saying, hey, it's really important to have all of your stuff jotted down somewhere. And it amazes me, particularly probably for the people in this age range, of how many people have not done some sort of estate planning right. for what they do. Because mm-hmm. if, they, if you do that, that actually might be a nice practice for your marriage. If you're considering a divorce, you can say, hey, honey, let's go through an estate planning exercise. And um, that will help you, from a strategy perspective, get all of your assets in one paper. You know where everything is. Right. And that can be the cheat sheet. I know that might be a bit of a Machiavellian way to look at it, but it's uh, it's a good Machiavellian's strategy. Machiavellian's all right. Sometimes if you're not unhappy and you know that's going to make things better for you, then do what you need to do. Well, sometimes there's just not a choice. You've got to you know you've got to do what you've got to do to be able to figure that kind of thing out. So that's sure. one of the one of the things that I would really like to advise people heavily of out there is find out what you've got. And if you've got a spouse that is telling you you know keeps giving you the Heisman on everything. Mm. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then it's none of your damn business. Red flag central there. Yeah, exactly. Then it's time to look at what your options are because that shit's scary, man. And and just like what we've been talking about a lot today, there are avenues out there, people where people can put money into that. You're never going to know. And that's particularly scary. 
It is. You know, if you've never had any control over the funds and all of a sudden, what do you mean we have no money? <laughs> you know, that doesn't quite uh, equate with what I'm uh, with what I'm seeing or the lifestyle that I've been living. Yeah, well, regardless, I think that we've uh, dispensed a good amount of wisdom for this segment. At least uh, I seem to think so. Yep. So. <laughs> so lots of stuff to think about there, folks. So uh, stay tuned. Be looking for uh, for some more coming down the pipe. We're going to be uh, more diligent and being timely about these now. Well, happy holidays, everybody, and we'll see you in the new year. Safe is good. Bye-bye.